Hey guys, we just wanted to give a quick disclaimer. We're non-black PLC, so we just wanted to share some information and resources as allies to the movement so we can educate the South Asian community. We're in no way trying to overstep our boundaries or speak on behalf of black people. So let us know if there's anything we misinterpreted or can do a better job explaining. Thank you. Also, quick trigger warning, we do talk about death and police brutality. We don't go into too much detail, but the words and the examples are there. So please be cautious and tune out if you're not comfortable with that. Thank you for your support, though. Hey, guys, this is part two of the BLM series, so make sure you listen to part one before you listen to part two. Um, in this one, we're just going to be answering questions um, and really giving our opinion on certain things, um, so I hope you enjoy. questions that like people sent us so we're just gonna go through those um so guys what are your experiences with racism like as a person of color um so who wants to start off if you can start start if you want oh me okay cool so i have a lot of privileges i went to a very white middle school and like the type of white where no one really made fun of other people's people's other people so like a lot of the racism that i faced was just microaggressions yeah okay yeah they'd be like why do you smell like curry i'm like what do you mean why do i smell like curry we had the same lunch sis what do you mean (laughs) we both ate at the same school cafeteria what do you mean i smell like curry or i've had people be like so where are you from and i'll be like oh i was born in toronto they'll be like no where are you really from and i'd be like oh my parents are from sri lanka how about your name because i feel like that's a big one. Oh no people don't even try and say my name i've like reached the point where i call myself rookie just because i don't want to hear people butcher my name yeah see that's again those are all because of microaggression because and like what annoys me the most about that is that like student teachers or like teachers will be like correct me if i'm wrong and then you correct them but they make the same mistake over and over and over again so it's like you're not trying to learn you just want to say that so no one comes for you exactly and like you have to like you we all have like whitewashed versions of our name that we have because nobody can really pronounce our name ethnically like unless they really are like from more and like the steps we take like my name is rukshana yeah but then i go oh it's rukshana and now i go oh it's rookie Rookie. like and like when i go to starbucks i don't even say rookie i say rj (laughs) like i just see the letters in my first and last name see and i still have people spell it a-r-j-a-y what really yeah i've had people spell that multiple times I mean, I don't know. I feel like that's also the thing because, like, we take the time to make sure that we're pronouncing everyone's name correctly. So, like, mm-hmm. the least you could do is just, like, you know, give back that right. courtesy, right? Like, if I'm pronouncing and Timothy really Chalamet, I should be given the right that you <laughs> pronounce my name. Well, <laughs> like, like, it's not even just me. Like, it's brown people everywhere. Like, I have a friend. Am I allowed to, like, name her? Dame dropper? Whatever. Her <laughs> name is, like, Jayadi. She goes by Jaya now. Like, everyone she knows, profs, friends, they all call her Jaya. Oh, man. I know someone whose name was Sarah Swifty. They go by Sarah. What? Yeah, it's more common 
Like, mm-hmm. it's very common, actually. Yeah. And this mm-hmm. is across, like, all, like, you know, different ethnic groups and whatnot. Like, our need to acclimatize and our, like, tiredness of this whole situation makes us take on these whitewashed nicknames. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, we produce them ourselves, too. Like, we, we literally, like, as kids, we're just like, oh, man, they're not going to say it, right? So then we just, like, pick up a version that should be, like, said because it's just yeah. easier that right. way, you know? Um, like, sorry, um, I just wanted to say that, like, sure. obviously with mine, like, it's, like, in Arabic, it's pronounced Isra, but, like, when it's, like, um spoken in english it comes out as as ezra, ezra, ezra. which is really easy which is really easy for them because it is I, I think i'm pretty sure it is like it's a common name like for both it's a very common name for like males white males i think yeah. to be new, i'm pretty sure yeah right so yeah and like i think like they would just be like very surprised that that name is associated with me yeah, I feel like it. I always get confused because, like, when, when we're like, because I call you Isra, so when yeah. I like hear when I'm with you and I'm like we meet somebody new and they're like Ezra and I'm like what and then I'm just like oh crap yeah. it's her name because <laughs> right? I'm like, yeah, it's like you almost forget like <laughs> yeah we're so used to it yeah oh speaking on this I don't know if we talked about this yet but like it's a form of discrimination that I'm really familiar with but like, have you ever guys ever experienced like internalized discrimination where like people are you're so used to people putting down your parents for having accents for having broken english that you're almost internalized it like i remember in middle school i wouldn't let my parents meet my friends i didn't want them showing up to drop off food i didn't want them coming to teach parent parent teacher conferences because i was so embarrassed almost of their english of their accents like i just i internalized it so bad that I was almost upset at them for not being more fluent, for not, like, acclimatizing and integrating into Western culture more. Yeah, um, I definitely experienced the same thing. And um, I kind of came from, like, a similar, like, environment as you did, Rookie, where it was obviously a white elementary school, but Mm -hmm. um, I did have the privilege of, like, there was still a lot of other diversity, like, and so... I didn't necessarily experience like you know direct racism but it was very like it was very very like indirect and um that was one thing that i did experience where it's like i didn't want like you know to eat my my the food that my mom made me or like mm-hmm. i didn't want like i just wanted to like you know go buy lunch and have like a basic whatever it was like a basic sandwich and, and milk exactly and i was so embarrassed by my mom's cooking that i made her make like rice hot dog and broccoli for like, every meal oh like i just didn't want to be associated with it at all yeah even them like knowing about like for example like them knowing like oh i'm get, i'm fasting oh i'm oh you know whatever it was like oh it's eid whatnot like all these types of things like i wanted to almost like try to cover it up yes uh, looking at it now it is very like dumb but at the age of like you know 11 that's what you'd think right and like obviously this more has to do with like ethnicity and culture but like i just wanted to say it because it's like I've, I've been thinking about this for so long like why did i do that i i definitely think it's it's a big issue like 
I feel like I'm I'm at a more slight advantage just because I went to school in Brampton, meaning that there's just a bunch of brown people. <laughs> <laughs> like, like there's really no like you know what I mean. It was just more like, oh, <laughs> like, like adding on to that. Um, this experience that I speak of is yeah. only specific to middle school though. Yeah. But high school was like a complete 180. Like it was like the, the minorities yeah. were like white people. Yeah, like, which is funny. Was, Where do they go like after that? And they, they were assimilating to whatever like the other the cultural things occurring in the school mm-hmm. and it was so weird like literally our like vice principal would like started speaking arabic like it was so random and he would like like you know before class started he'd be like in arabic like oh uh, go to class like you know oh class is starting and he like and he was like also jewish right so oh. um it was so like it's crazy to see like the coll- collision of like mm-hmm. cultures and everything mm-hmm and um yeah it was it was very diverse in high school yeah see like because i was in brampton i I definitely am speaking from a place of like having a huge advantage like ever since like from like grade three like because that's when i moved to brampton and it was just straight up like it's it's always been a bunch of it was multicultural like not just brown people but there was just a lot of different ethnicities and I was lucky in the sense that I never really had internalized, like, racism because it's just, like, everyone is the same, kind of, and everyone, like, was pretty much, like, first-generation Canadian, so it's just, like, like, you have this thing, like, moving forward, and it just, that translated all the way into, like, high school, and I just, I've never had that feeling, but, again, like, I've also noticed that with, like, not just, like, not me, but maybe, like, in the sense, like, when you're talking about lunches and stuff, I feel like that was kind of, like, my parents never used to, like, give me actual, like, ethnic food, I guess, which might have been because they have, like, their own version of internalized racism where, like, they would think that kids would make fun of me for having it, which is why I never got it, but I'm guessing they had it, you know, in that sense. But beyond that, guys, do you guys have any experiences of racism within London? Because I feel like that's skipped oh, I do. a lot. <laughs> Yeah, I do. Um, Several, like, direct slurs. Literally, once I pulled up to a red light, Mm -hmm. and there was, like, this, like, car beside me, and it was, like, a bunch of, like, you know, like, teenage white frat boys, and um, they started, like, aggressively, like, knocking on the window, so, like, I'm assuming, like, oh, maybe there's, like, knocking on their car window, right? Mm -hmm. Like, uh, making the signal to, like, pull the or sorry put down the window and so i put down the window like of course you know maybe there's something wrong with the car like flat tire whatever and um they they were like hey guess what and then i was like yeah like i'm waiting for the response and then they wait for the light to turn green and then they're like um don't accidentally bomb everything here and then they literally like sped off but it's like the fact that they waited like till the green light like they can't even you know that's the type of thing so that was one thing aside from my first experience so my first year i bust like the entire first year and i had to like do like a transfer in downtown and you already know where that's going Mm -hmm. there was like this preacher who was constantly like with like a microphone going off about like you know repent to the lord jesus christ will save you and then obviously you know like him looking at me he's just like he starts going off like 
you need to convert blah 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 like that's even it's it's another form oh my god and yeah um then to another you know like the looks you get yeah Mm -hmm. I feel like even, like, in terms of in London, like, in multiple instances, I've had, like, I'll just be walking, especially in downtown, like, if I go to, like, work downtown and stuff, like, it's just multiple instances where I'll just, like, walk by and somebody would just be like, because I wear the hijab, because it's so obvious, because I'm visibly brown, people would just be like, go back to your country, which has happened. Oh, that's been said to me as well, yeah. Yeah, it's happened multiple times at, like, multiple bus stops. And, like, it's so sad because, like, every time I go into downtown, I'm just, like, fearful that somebody might just lash out on me, which is, like, crazy. But it's not that bad to, like, happen. Like, you know what I mean? It's, like, it literally could happen in London, so. Also, you don't think about it, but you get treated differently. Like, yeah. even, like, even in, like, I don't even... Like, obviously on the spot, you know, I can't give examples, but it's, like, you, you see the difference. Like, like if, I'm through, <clears throat> if I'm going through, like, you know, a ca- like, buying groceries, and, like, the person behind there is white, and, like, let's just say the person that was in front of me was white, you know, like, the cashier is, like, highly engaged and, like, um, you know, motivated and excited to, like... Um, help this person out but like it's like the minute that you show up it's like complete silence and very very minimal interaction oh and like all that enthusiasm yeah. disappears i i i totally agree i'm not with speaking that. on all like no. you know obviously i'm not generalizing but i'm just saying like that's been an experience i i definitely agree on i never even thought about that because like that happens so much yeah, have you seen that? Yeah. And you probably, like, experienced that. Yeah, like... I, I, I have multiple times. I just never... Like, obviously, you're so busy when you're at the counter. You don't really think about that stuff. But, like, like if you really look back, like, I've definitely experienced that in form. Also, like, even within, like, when you go to class. Like, I'm not saying oh, people just yeah. sit there and stare. Like, we all go to a pretty, pretty white, dominant white. Yeah. university. So, another question that we got was what steps have we personally taken to fight racism? So anyone want to start? Um, yeah, sure, I can start. Um, personally, the steps I've taken, um, aside from, you know, the advocating and not necessarily through social media, but just in general advocating, uh, mm-hmm. signing petitions, you know, um, reading up and uh, learning on these things, um, different resources, um, you know, donating, whatnot. Uh, the number one thing is trying to educate people, trying. Mm-hmm. I emphasize the word trying because not everyone's going to, you know, take that as it is. A lot of people will get defensive about it and, like, um, almost feel like they're being attacked. So, right. yeah, but I really try to educate people. Like, even if, like, and that's why, like, if someone is straight up saying, like, something like very very offensive and whatnot like i'll like either private message them or like speak to them like in private and try to talk to them and be like hey like what why do you believe this like do you have like evidence for this like statement that you're making and whatnot so yeah it's pretty much just educating mm-hmm. i agree i think for me the hardest part is trying to like talk to your family talk to your friends talk to people you know because A lot of my friend group, they're very liberal, they're very understanding of what's happening, and they're very supportive. But there are some people I know who 
it's just years of being used to internalize racism, years of being used to their behavior and what they grew up with. They're just, they're so used to saying the N-word. They're so used to having this specific connotation about Black people that trying to talk to them is, it's it's a whole ordeal because you're trying to find a way to, you don't want to impose your opinion on them and force them to believe you because then they're not going to change their ways. They're just going to be complicit while you're around and then go about their day and do the things they're continuously doing. So yeah, like you have to take an approach that they can see, that they can learn from. And it's just really difficult, but it's super important because change does start at home. Change does start with your friends and people you know. Yeah. I think personally, like, in terms of, um, like, the steps I took was I became very educated. Like, I think education Mm -hmm. within yourself is really important, which I I think a lot of people don't realize is a very big um, thing that you have to do to in order to fight racism because you have to realize like like reading and educating and constantly learning is is, it's it's a privilege but it's also something that you need to do if you really want to take the steps to really fight racism because you have racist notions within yourself that you have internalized so you have Mm -hmm. to first eradicate and dismantle those and then slowly but surely you will dismantle the people around you right. as well, right? So that's definitely something I took. And also on the in terms of like really fighting racism, I, I feel like it starts at home. Like you know what I mean? Like right. like I I've definitely encouraged my family to watch certain documentaries, certain things, um, talked mm-hmm. about racism, having these hard conversations that are needed definitely needs to happen because you can't like, if you educate people the way that they should be educated, I feel like they will really turn around and listen to you. But the thing is, like, you have to come from a place of, like, knowing mm-hmm. things. Like, you know what I mean? So right. Before you I've seen some on. really good posts because it's, like, it's easy to consume documentaries. It's easier to, like, watch shows. And, yeah. like, I've been doing that. But, like, for me, I'm not good at reading. I haven't read a book since middle school. So I've seen some, <laughs> like, really good posts of, like, how to separate your time, how to, like, figure out a way to schedule in reading and to like work this into your everyday life so that you stay educated so what do you guys think about fake activism oh my god don't get me started performative activism literally gets my blood boiling same the amount of the thing is like i've seen more posts um from like just whether it's like white people or like people of color I've seen more posts that are like fake for fake activism than for them actually advocating. And I, it's like, that took you more time. Like, why wouldn't you just dedicate that time to like learning and actually Mm -hmm. advocating? What's the point? Yeah. And you kind of like see who's doing performative activism because they're, the way they talk about things, it's like clear that they're trying to say things as vaguely as possible to stay like, almost like they don't want to be sharing too much opinion in case they get attacked you know like they want to stay in their comfort zone so like i see a lot of people post stories like we're all in this together and like i know they're not really doing anything beyond that i know they're not signing petitions or donating money or like doing anything beyond that and i'm just like what do you think we don't see you yeah what gets to me is when i see a lot of people like posting about like the police kneeling and they're like oh my god this makes me so happy but i'm like "Mm, 
like oh if you God. did your research, oh. you would realize that they're kneeling and then they're bringing the po- protesters in and then throwing tear gas at them. So I don't, exactly. Mm, I don't know if you know the implications of them kneeling just beyond being like a social. It's movement. such propaganda, and mm-hmm. to see people fall for that and act like this is the progress we need, yeah. since it's not. There's like, no progress there. When Justin Trudeau, our prime minister, kneeled, I was I felt all the politics in that kneel when he kneeled because i'm like same like you realize that you're literally like they're protesting against you so you're literally kneeling against yourself like you could literally go into the office and fix and like actually make exactly but rather you're outside and kneeling like nobody like and then people are posting it like oh daddy trudeau look at trudeau (laughs) helping us and i'm like He's in charge. He can easily make changes, advocate in a bigger scale. Yeah. I definitely agree with you guys, but I think people are saying that because, like, in comparison to, like, what's going on, like, in the States where, like, mm-hmm. one one leader is, like, insa- like you know, encouraging racism and essentially, you know, the eradication of uh, one, like, group or race um, – Versus, like, another one who, yes, maybe kneeling isn't necessarily the best way to advocate, but it's a better, you know, it's a a step forward in comparison to what's going on there. And I think... For me, the thing with this is, is that people, for some reason, are adhering to the idea of, like, oh, we're not as bad as America. We're, like, almost perfect. Like, we're doing so much better. And, like, granted, America is pure chaos. America is setting the bar so low that almost anyone can be above it Mm -hmm. but canada isn't the perfect place that we like claim to be trudeau kneeling is as much propaganda as anything else if you think about the violence that indigenous and black people are facing in canada if you think about the oppression they're facing yeah it's because of this notion like I, i definitely agree like when you really put it out into the atmosphere that yes like uh of course compared to the u.s like our prime minister coming out and kneeling it may be better looking but is it really better in terms of how much it's working because right it's not like unless we see action in office we're not really going to say anything right like we can't like hold him and say that he's actually like being responsible because let's not forget that he's also the reason why like the indigenous population is fighting for their life when it comes to that pipeline situation And also when it comes to the fact that they passed the legislation in Alberta and he, as a prime minister, didn't do anything. You know what I mean? Right. Like, those are, there's several notions tied behind it. And, like... Yeah, it's not to, like, disregard, like, you know, the racism that that does occur in Canada and Mm -hmm. just injustices in general. But, like, I... I'm not, like, saying that it's the best decision or, like, necessarily the best step, but it's a better one in comparison to what's going on. And it it could basically, like, propel him forward to, you know, take action. I just hope hope he takes action. Like, there's already policies people are trying to set in place where you can be arrested for protesting the pipeline and things like that. I just, I want to see action. As much as I want to see someone show support through kneeling, as much as I want to see public support and activism, I want to see action. Yeah, like, I, I definitely agree. I mean... So, we were talking a lot about, like, donating, protesting, and things like that. But, like, how can you support Black Lives Matter when you can't physically donate or protest? Good ways to do this? Sign petitions. It's free. It takes less than 30 seconds. Super good. There's so many threads on Twitter of, like, 
petitions that haven't met high goals, look for those. Other ways that you can donate without actually giving your money. So there are streams you can watch and let the ads play through where all the funding goes towards these donations. Um, Educate yourself. This is really big. We talked about this earlier. There are a lot of posts on Instagram and I believe Twitter um, that talk about books you can read, documentaries you can watch. Um, We'll have that in our link tree as well because there's a Google Doc of like tons of resources you can access. And then finally talk to people around you. See where they're at. Try and like help them see why this is important. Even if they're progressive, they may not realize how important, how dire the situation is. Yeah, I I don't really have anything to add on to that. I think educating yourself and like signing petitions would be a really big one to take on, because mm-hmm. you know I I think definitely foremost educating yourself and like petitions because like petitions are the right. easiest way that you could get things done like not easier sorry like it's the easiest thing you could do if you can't donate or if you can't protest like personally speaking i can't protest just because but um but, yeah I, I can't protest either yeah. like there are vulnerable people in my house and yeah. i just don't want to risk it exactly my sister's pretty vulnerable so she like um so as an asthma kid like i can't risk that like you know with for sure care. so like with that, like i'm not like, trying to lose both my parents you know like i <laughs> yeah but like it's just uh like there's like i can't make that step forward but i could protest i could sorry i couldn't protest i could donate and i am capable of donating which i have and i also am able to educate myself further so i think those are really big things but yeah i I will say this well i'm not sure how much action trudeau is taking I will say Daddy Trudeau is funding all these donations. Like, you know, when that CESB comes, it goes straight into these donations. Oh my God, yes. Um, okay, so another question that we had come in is how can people from other countries help and why is it important to keep the conversation global? Um, I think, like, how other countries can help is honestly through like I know a lot of countries are definitely protesting and stuff and they're keeping the conversation active, which is great because like how other countries can essentially help is to also uproot the systemic oppression that they have um, against um, black people or like darker skin tone people in that region because they obviously have like like oppressed notions towards them like most people do so I feel like that could keep the conversation global and also that essentially helps like us get rid of internalized racism and a lot of of microaggression Mm -hmm. racism as well so I mean, colonization affected so many countries, so they're all going through forms of racism and, like, oppression, so we need to address it everywhere. Yeah. We can't just, as much as we want, as much as America is going through the brunt of it, if we want to stop racism, if we want to dismantle white supremacy and the system that oppresses black people, it has to be global. Yeah, it's not just... It can't be concentrated in one place. It's not just North America, it's not just Europe, it's literally everywhere. And it's if it's not against actual black people, it's definitely with a form of, like, colorism. Because, like, that's also a really big thing. A lot of times people take a very Western-centric or North American-centric view, but that's not the case. We're not the end-all, be-all. Yeah. It happens everywhere, and we have to acknowledge that. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I mean, one thing I will say is that um, it's definitely great that um, we have social media as a platform. And and I believe that's a reason why it's so global as to previous years, you know, like in 1993, what went down and all that. Um, Yeah, and so I really do think that social media is a very large contributing factor to that. Speaking of that, uh, the next question is, how do you think the Black Black Lives Matter movement is going to end. I was, I'm on TikTok a lot. And like for like the past week, um, I've seen shifts where TikTok originally 
was shadow banning Black Lives Matter um, hashtags, Black Lives hashtags, as a way to, like, deter the conversation from that. But then when they got heat, they started to, like, show all of those on my For You page. Like, I saw, like, video after video after video of protesting, which is great because when it, like, furthers the conversation too, a lot of good information is being shared. That's a lot where I see media propaganda being discussed. But they've started shadow banning these hashtags again. Like, they're trying to slowly die out the movement, die out the presence on media. Yeah, um, that's why, like, I really almost, like, praise, quote-unquote, like, the, um, you know, people who literally work at Twitter because they don't try to hide or suppress anything that's going on because, in reality, that is the only, like, you know, valid news source because the actual news is very you know biased and whatnot so mm-hmm. for twitter to go ahead and do that and it's like twitter right now i believe is the largest social media platform it might be aside from facebook um with like something like 90 million users so like when you have that type of platform and you're trying to like you know remove all of these tags and almost take down things like this it says something about the people who are running this company yeah i believe like even with tiktok like it's become the fastest downloaded app ever so like for them to actually um like do that and like to slowly transition into ending blm like that says a lot about their company and like their ethics um compared to twitter but in terms of like how i think blm um, is gonna end i don't think black lives matter will ever end i genuinely think that it's it can't because we have systemic oppression so unless we sit down and say hey we're gonna build a new system it's never really gonna end however i think yes like it happened in 2015 2016 the hype is going to die down because people will start to move on from it and unfortunately they'll start to live like their regular lives or whatever but they will they so many people like we know there's so much performative activism so much of that performative activism will die down after the whole blm dies down for them right in their perspective so that i don't think it's ever going to end but i think performative activism on blm is going to end which is why you're going to feel like it's going to end but it's really not ending because you have to act you have to have activism beyond this movement like this is the heightened version of the movement but the movement's always going to be ongoing like it's never going to stop Speaking on that, I've already, like, after the charges for Derek Chauvin and the other uh, police officers were changed to second-degree murder, I've already seen a dramatic shift in people's stories, people's posts. I've already seen them trying to go back to normalcy, Mm -hmm. like, quote-unquote normalcy. So you really try and see who's really in it for the cause and who's in it for the face of it. Yeah, Once the the officers are charged, it's like, you're done. You only cared about that one man. You don't care about the movement as a whole. Yeah, you don't care about the whole of like concept of defunding the police and all of that stuff and like allocating our resources. Like, if anything, I... this was like a really good opportunity for people to open their eyes and actually educate themselves. So, like, if if you see that people haven't educated themselves, then you realize that it was more so performative activism. So right. the next question we got was like how to respond to comments such as they shouldn't riot or that not all white people are racist. They shouldn't riot. We're going to talk about rioting in a bit, but um, that not all white people are racist. I feel like we can expand on that right now. Mm-hmm. So um, in my opinion, this is very similar to ACAP, which is like all cops are bastards. 
as much as there are good white people, as much as there are white people fighting for the cause, you have to understand that the entire system, institutionalized racism, is based on the power and supremacy of white people. Mm -hmm. If we want to dismantle white supremacy, if we want to dismantle the system, we have to unfortunately take away the power from the good white people. We have to attack all white people as a whole, even the good white people. Yeah, I agree with that. Like, that's the only way you could really dismantle. And, like, it's an interesting thing to say not all white people are racist. Because if you're not racist, if you're anti-racism, then you would know why we're doing this. You would support this. You would understand what's happening. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Um, I don't think there's any other way to phrase that. Like, it's, it's literally, like, a cat. I agree, yeah. but... I just wanted to add on that is that I mean I can understand where people are coming from when they say like not all cops are bad just because for example if you don't want like you know the black community to all be generalized as you know whatever ghetto or unintelligent or you know all the stereotypes it's the same way for cops and I'm not even like like I'm not necessarily defending them I'm just saying like you do have to have like that mindset that like we, if you're like fighting for like equal, not even just equality, just to remove racism from one group, you also have to be like knowledgeable on the fact that yes, there are a few good, good cops. But um, and one more thing, I just want to add on that is that um, I feel like this whole like uh, not all cops are bad works more with like what's going on in Canada versus there because there you almost like in the states you you almost can't even say that just because of like the the amount of police brutality going on whereas Mm -hmm. in here they take like training more seriously selection process more seriously like i just found out the like just the other day that you don't even need an undergrad degree in the states to become a police officer like right you don't and it's like that in itself like could make a dramatic difference because you know even with just that undergrad degree where you're you have to as your requirement for example take a category b or whatnot and you know that exposes someone to the type of like knowledge that they need to and then from there there's also another selection process like after that like you know last year there was three thousand applicants to like for particular london police and 10 people were selected 10 of three thousand. where it's like in comparison in the states you know um pretty much everyone's just there's no selection yeah and so that's why i feel like the whole all cops are bad or whatever only like i feel like that only applies to like canada or outside of the states but it's very Mm -hmm. hard to not say that all cops are bad in the states because of what's going on that's actually a really good point you made because like we talked about this earlier, but um, all cops are bad is actually the wrong phrase. It's a misconception. The actual phrase is all cops are bastards. And uh, okay. we get we get into this earlier. The reason we say bastards instead of bad is because the word bastardize means to corrupt. So yeah. regardless if there are good cops or not, it's the system itself is corrupt. Yeah. And that's why the phrase is there. Yeah. Because... I understand that cops have, like, immunity, which is crazy to me they have like very secured immunity when they take the oath so they're excluded from a lot of different things that the regular citizen should be held accountable for which is not Mm -hmm. fair because you're not practicing the law ethically in my opinion if you're not holding cops accountable for their own misdemeanors and stuff yeah but like um like what i was trying to say is that like 
for example, I almost feel like in the States, cops pick and choose which which laws they want to follow and which laws they don't. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, if someone, so if someone resists arrest, yes, they do have, like, by law, the right to, you know, use force. But they also at the same time, so they choose to follow that law, but they're not following the law when someone asks them, why am I being arrested? By law, they have to tell them why they're being arrested, which in majority of the cases they don't, right? Mm -hmm. So that's what I'm saying in the States. Like, they pick and choose which laws they want to follow whereas like from based on the research that i've done specifically regarding london right um they don't that's not how it works here like they they don't they can't they don't just choose which laws they want to follow i think essentially when it comes to the system it's definitely like i i there's still yeah there still is like obviously it's like it's like when it comes to systemic oppression like obviously there is a system that's trying to to come together to benefit all people but it's not working and in the same way a cab is a system that isn't like it's highlighting a system that is not working and it's not like implementing right, right. so like especially here the best example as much as there are good cops yeah no the best example i got was like there's a difference between outlining that they're good people versus bad people because i'm pretty sure everyone like that wears a uniform they're all good people however when they wear that uniform Mm -hmm. we're talking about a career we're not talking about them but we're talking about a career so when we're talking about the police force as a whole versus and like let's just talk about another career like doctors for example a doctor has to go through what 12 years of schooling and then make sure that they get their license practice their residency and they continuously renew their license to make sure that they're adequate doctors when it comes to the police force are we doing the same thing because there's no such thing as bad doctors because if there is a bad doctor their license is getting swiped they're getting consequences but when it comes to bad police I don't I don't see like when p- police make actually bad examples of themselves like what are we doing what are the repercussions right. you know what I mean Derek Chauvin had 18 or 19 yeah. charges of assault only two of which went through yeah he had, he had 19 cases of assault and like improper police work and yet only two cases were ever brought to light or like gone through and like had charges also um Shafi you know how you mentioned like the analogy with like doctors Mm -hmm. but even there there's like systemic racism like when you look at it because i saw this um one tiktok video of this like you know doctor and she was talking about how the amount of like you know white uh med students and whatnot when they were given a survey about like do you think like black people feel pain they 50 percent of them answered no they do not feel pain. And that's why, like, apparently back in the days of slavery, they would, like, operate on them without, like, any anesthetics or whatever. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. they believed, yeah, so even yeah. in there. Yeah, just, right. So that's why, like, just like you said, the analogy, like, yeah, there's no good, like, there's no bad people, but it's, like, the actual career. There could yeah. be good or bad people in the within the career. Yeah, exactly. It's like, how well are you doing your job? Like, yeah, you can have those notions, but if he's refusing to operate on a person because of their skin tone, 
and they're purposely putting that particular people at risk and making sure that they're dying versus like a person of privilege then like obviously you're not using your license properly and that he's going to have to answer he or she's going to have to answer to that but when it comes to cops we don't see that accountability because we don't have immune we have they have this performed set of immunity that they're like you know they're privileged to have and they're you know they're basically can it's it's this notion that they're better than us you know in so many right. different ways which is what gets to people because it's like you're not you're human you're gonna make mistakes own up to them like you expect everyone else to own up to them because if you're in the system of policing people then the least you could do is own up to your own mistakes right so i feel mm-hmm. like especially when it comes to derek chauvin like i'm not talking about the canadian system i'm talking about the american one when it comes to derek chauvin like he had 19 different cases in front of him but only two passed through which means he was not oh held... i 100 percent agree yeah with you. he was not held accountable for like what 17 different cases so like that's the thing like hold a police accountable to the shit that they do and then make sure that they get the adequate consequences is what i'm saying because there's so many like this whole buddy buddy system and like you know letting it slide like that let's you're in the you're literally in the career that enforces people's like enforce people to follow regulations but also to protect people so if you can't protect people then like it's just it's like what are you doing it's like the same way with like doctors like the reason why it takes so long to become a doctor is because you are in charge of a life and that is the biggest responsibility like you know what i mean like to hold somebody Mm -hmm. and make sure that they're able to to live adequately like they have big responsibilities that's why they have big repercussions police should have the same thing that's what i feel like like, they should no i agree with you they should but looking at how the training and like the requirements needed to become a police officer within the states yeah you can see why why there's so many bad cops you can see why mm-hmm. so many don't you know do their job well it's because exactly. such such poor training such poor requirements such poor selection like when you look at the differences i'm not denying that there isn't like you know mm-hmm. um bad cops within canada and whatnot there obviously is like everywhere there's that but like the vast difference in the way the two systems are like you know put into place you can see why they're not up to par with the standards that are supposed to be you know completed exactly because like i personally think like if you're going to become a cop you should definitely have an undergraduate degree in, like, any of the social sciences. Because, like, you need people skills before you enter a job like that. Because your whole job is to protect people, right? So, like, you need definite people skills, which is something I feel like they should make a requirement in the States. You can't just grab and pick a person and then put them into, you know, becoming a police. That's essentially what it is. Yeah, exactly. What's crazier is that more funds are allocated to the military than whether it's like that's a whole another topic but like Mm -hmm. people say you know defund the police but Mm -hmm. i actually believe that they should be taking some of the military funds and putting them into actual proper selection and training Hey guys, it's Rookie. So as you're going through the podcast, you might notice that I say the word we a few times when talking about the experiences of black people. So I want to sincerely apologize for that. I am South Asian, not black, so it wasn't right of me to use that word at all. Um, I hope that my negligence and poor word choice doesn't take away from the information we try to share in this podcast. 
Um, thank you for tuning in if you did. And also, please don't hesitate to, hesitate to contact me or Shafa on our Instagram, Struggling Optimist. So, at Struggling Optimist. Um, if you wanted to share any input on the podcast or just talk to me personally about my word choice. Hey guys, so this is the end of episode two. So, there is another episode. So, make sure you listen to that one as well. Thank you for listening and make sure you give us feedback or let us know if we said anything offensive.